Hello and welcome to the Travel and Transformation Podcast with me, your host, Sophia, and my guest today, Sonia Lionist Mackey. All right, so Sonia Lioness Mackey is a powerhouse of transformation, a motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, two-time Amazon best-selling author, and divine purpose coach for single, child-free women, embodying her favorite role of mediocrity escapologist. Wow, say that three times fast. Sonia <laughs> shrugged off the corporate chains in 2016 after 25 years in leadership positions at Fortune Global Top 10 Companies to live her dream as a freedompreneur and has never looked back. As a global citizen and digital nomad, Sonia navigates the world freely, indulging in explorations that feed her spirit and fuel her soul while maintaining a successful remote business. Her wanderlust has taken her to all 50 states and 81 countries across seven continents as she lives, works, and plays anywhere her heart desires. Okay, so in the midst of this, I'm going to have to say, doesn't that sound amazing? (laughs) Today, Sonia can combines her love of coaching with a passion for travel, personifying her mission to escape the mundane and embrace adventure while pursuing her God assignment and adding aiding her clients in doing the same. The epitome of freedom and a catalyst for change. With several coaching certifications from the Magnum Opus Coaching Institute, she helps clients clarify their divine purpose, and learn how to monetize their gifts and talents by a remote business that yields more fun, freedom, and fulfillment. For Sonia, travel is not just a hobby. It's a core pillar of her personal offerings. She is the founder of Bucketless Beasts, a lifestyle movement geared toward helping don't take no for an answer women to live their best happiest, most fearless, and fulfilling lives. Through the platform, she curates road-less travel adventures, escapes, and infuses exhilaration and accomplishment into women, into women's lives and bespoke luxury escapes that help women embrace the soft life of serenity, soul care, and self-discovery. As founder of Stillworthy, Sonia is devoted to serving single childless women worldwide. She empowers them to break free of societal constraints, redefine womanhood, celebrate their freedom and independence, and walk confidently and unapologetically in their personal power as they embrace the life they have chosen and the unique purpose each carry. When Sonia is not in business beast mode, supporting women in creating and living their most thrilling and fulfilling lives, you can find her gallivanting around the globe as she checks off the beaten path destinations, luxurious accommodations, and experiences, and unique and unusual adventures of her beloved bucket list. Wow. So 
Thank you, Sonia, for joining me today. And I am sure the audience is excited after that amazing bio to hear all about what you're doing, where you've gone, (laughs) and what you have coming up. (laughs) Sure. How are you today? Thank you for having me. Well, you're so welcome. I am doing well. I'm glad you're here. And Mm -hmm. so you have your life actually is the epitome of this podcast, (laughs) which is travel (laughs) and transformation, right? So you have traveled everywhere. So I'd love to hear about some of your travels because you've been to all the continents. So I've got to say a little jealous, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but it'll pass. (laughs) And you're helping women, right? And it's not just any women, Mm -hmm. it's single childless women. And I think that is a great population to speak to because society has these norms that they expect us to all adhere to. So, you know, you're supposed to be married. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to, you're supposed to. And everybody doesn't fit into the supposed to, and you guys can't see me, I'm doing air quotes, (laughs) the supposed to lifestyle, you know, either by circumstance or choice, Some women are not married. Some women do not have kids and that's okay. So Mm -hmm. tell us why you decided to get into this part of, you know, why you decided to help that sector of society. Oh, because it's me for one. It's, it's my lifestyle. It has been my lifestyle all my life. Um, You know, I have, I'm not married. I have never married. So, and I look at it as really two things. You're either married or you're not married, you know? So (laughs) even in relationships, I'm still not married, you know? So um, I I uniquely identify with that because that has been my life, but also because it is a growing segment of the population. I was just sharing um, uh, a quote with, well, not a quote, but a statistic uh, with someone yesterday, and it was a quote by, um, let me see if I can pull it up right quick, and I'll tell you what it was. It was a percentage of women, a study done by Morgan Stanley, and they said 45% of women uh, between the ages of 25 and 44 will be single and childless, child-free is the word I prefer, by the year 2030, which is really just what, about six years away? Yeah. Six years away. Almost 50% of women in prime marrying and child rearing ages, birthing and child rearing ages will not have children and they will not be married. That is a huge number. It's a significant number. It's a growing number. And I think we need to understand why, you know, what's going on, what's what's driving some of those numbers, driving women to say, you know what, I, I don't think I'm going to get married or I'm not going to get married um, and I'm not going to have children, uh, but also how does that play out in terms of our lifestyle? Uh, you know, what are the ramifications and the consequences and the dynamics of living that lifestyle? And so it's a it's a segment that I think they haven't been heard in the past. You know, in fact, they've been relegated to the to the back of the you know it's like an auditorium, sit in the back, right? Uh, <laughs> be seen and not even be seen really. Don't be seen and don't be heard. You know, um, the world seems like it's built for two. It's built for couples. It's built for families. It doesn't seem like it's really built for one. And if you are a party of one, 
you know, there there are often penalties associated with that. There's also oh, gotcha. there's often marginalization associated with that. Mm-hmm. And I want to to stop some of that. I want this this audience to feel empowered. I want them to go out. And of course, I have my own podcast, you know. And and the episode I did recently was about going out to restaurants, even and don't let them stick you at the bar. Don't let them sit you at a table in the back. Don't let don't even feel like you should just get takeout and then go back home and hide out at the house. No, you go and you get the full table service. You ask them for the best table in the house. You get a waiter waiting on you. You you are entitled to everything, even as a party of one. I agree. I think that it is so important for us to, yeah, so important for us to empower that audience to take up all the room, all the space, like get everything that you deserve. You are not deserving of a less than life simply because you are a party of one, simply because you're a single and you don't have children. So I am here to empower, um, to promote, to 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 cheer, to do whatever it is. going to lift up this audience and help them to live their best, most fulfilling and happiest, most joyful life. I am all about that. And I, I am also in the same boat at the moment, not married and child free. And the thing is, I love, I I love my life. I love my life, but mm-hmm. it is that it's, it's the whole, you're traveling, there's a single supplement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what now I have to go hunt somebody if I want to save some money, you know? So there's that piece mm-hmm. that you think about and, and that eating out thing too. Sometimes, you know, you go out to eat and then people are like looking at you and it's like, Don't look at me. Look at your partner. Stop, or you know, stop looking at your phone and look at your partner. Don't look at me. Mm -hmm, (laughs) I just mm -hmm. came to eat. (laughs) But (laughs) the one thing I have, like, there's a couple things, right? So one thing I've found, like, sometimes when I go on vacation, and Mm -hmm. you know how a lot of the places they do buffet style, right? So Mm -hmm. I always have to take a book or something to put it on my table to let somebody know don't sit here because I'm coming back. So there yeah. are there are a few tricks to the trade. You know, if you're if you're traveling by yourself, you're doing your solo trips, just take a book, take something and leave it on the table so that they know yeah. you are there and you're allowed to take up space. You're allowed to have that table. Well, and even going beyond that, you know, I've noticed and I have done it before in the past, but I tried not to do it anymore. I'm conscious of it now. We'll sometimes use things like a book or a phone as a social crutch. So that it pulls the attention away from the fact that we're sitting there alone, you know, like we'll be immersed in our phone or immersed in a book. And so it, it takes the, the pressure off a bit. And so now what I try to do is go and actually eat and enjoy the meal. Yes. And and not have quote a social crutch, not have something to lean on to take the pressure off or to make me feel just a little, you know, less conspicuous or a little less active. You know, like do that, like challenge yourself to do that. And it may be a little hard at first, but I think we owe it to ourselves too, because I think people, even with people, we can use them as a social crutch when going somewhere like a restaurant or out to a play or a concert or whatever, like come with me because it takes the pressure off of being by herself. And, you know, I've done that before. Like I've actually gone to, for example, a comedy show by myself. And I can tell you there were not many people there where it was just one person. 
Uh, I was only one of a handful if, you know, because everybody's there with couples or with other people, group of people. And I could have gone with other people, like I had friends there in the city, but sometimes you just want to do things on your own. And I just want to be by myself, go and enjoy a nice show, laugh and have a little bit of fun. And I did that. Now, was it completely comfortable? No, because I was very cognizant of the fact that I was one person, but I still did it. I did it. I ordered my drinks. I ordered my food. I laughed. I had a good time. Well, and, you know, and, and that's the part that's there, important. You couldn't, yeah, walking out of here, you couldn't tell me anything because I knew that I could do something that few people could do, which is I can go to a comedy show at night by myself and I don't need to use anybody as a social crutch or anybody. Or worse, I wasn't going to stay home if I didn't have anybody to go along with me. And I've seen that quite a bit as well with a lot of single women. If they don't have someone to travel with them, someone to go to the show with them, someone to go out to eat with them, they will just opt to stay home and not go at all. And I think that is completely unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, we we do have to remind ourselves that, yes, you have to get out. You need to do things. And when I talked about the book, it wasn't to read the book. It was to mark my space. Right. So to, mark yes, it, yes. marking my territory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, <Yes. laughs> and that's the thing, though. I mean, when you go out to eat, if you're going to take the time to go enjoy mm-hmm. the food. Enjoy yes. the experience. Enjoy the, enjoy exactly. the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. But I think the world needs to catch up, though, and start doing things for, you know, have a single discount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, have, we have a senior discount. We have, like, children. Like, they have their special little discounting menu. It's like, why don't, why don't single people? And, you know, and, of course, I'll definitely talk about this on my own podcast. You know, again, I call it the marginalization of, of single women and, and child-free women as well. Um, you know, and it goes even further than that. What about in the workplace where they're like, oh, okay, well, you can stay in uh, later tonight. You can come in this weekend. You don't have anybody at home waiting on you. You, you don't have anybody uh, to plan the holidays for Christmas or Thanksgiving. You're, you're single. You can do this. No, I can't do that. Right? No, because I got a life. <laughs> Exactly. So, but we have to stand up for ourselves in those types of situations. You know, I was in a conference call, well, not a conference call, but a, but a conversation the other day where it, it was a clubhouse room and they kept saying it was about women and traveling alone and women in first class even. And uh, just that the, the phrase that was often repeated was, well, you, it's just not something you see a lot. It's not something you see a lot. You know, and several people said that, and I say, that is why we have to take up all the room. That's why we have to start showing up and showing out because we can't keep hearing the statement. Well, you just don't see that a lot. We have to start making it something that people see a lot so that it doesn't become this thing all the time, you know, when people do see it. Right. Because I mean, some of us are going to be trailblazers and, but we have to lead the way for others to follow. But then yes, everybody has their own journey, but they all have their part to play in this. So like you're saying, Mm -hmm. it becomes a normal thing, not, oh, what? Mm -hmm. She's traveling by herself? Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And and of course, I'm definitely one of those trailblazers. Like, you know, it it doesn't bother me to be, quote, the only one uh, of anything in the room, whether it's the only woman, the only Black woman, the only single person, the only person without children. Like, I relish that role because I am a rebel. 
And I will tell that to anybody. I'm a rebel to my heart. So yeah, put me in, put me in, put me in, you know, send me in, coach. <laughs> so, I, they will think differently by the time I'm finished with them. <laughs> okay, so I know that you've done a lot of adventurous stuff. So mm-hmm. why don't you tell us about some of your adventures? Because these are things that I don't care if you're single, child-free, coupled, married, got kids. A lot of these things yeah. are probably not things everybody's going to do. <laughs> so, let's yeah. hear about some. And of I think, you know, part of, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I'm definitely open to a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I've done the bungee jumping. I've done the skydiving. Uh, you know, I've been uh, scuba diving with sharks. I, I, I've been uh, wrestling, lassoing alligators and, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Uh, you know, in fact, people used to tag me on those things for the longest time. Like, oh, she'll do it. You know, like, hang <laughs> on. You want to find somebody to do something, she'll do it. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it just came from a, from a stance of wanting to enjoy life. Uh, you know, there's so much beauty and wonder and amazement out in the world. Yes, a lot of crazy things, um, but it doesn't say that I do all those adventurous, crazy things. I like to say I take calculated risk, um, <laughs> but it also it's about push pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, you know, and doing those things that you think you cannot do. And so I, I, it was a perfect example just the other day, and I'll share this quickly, where I was talking about fear. And it was the first time that I ever went bungee jumping, which happened to be in Whistler, Columbia, British Columbia, Canada. And the girl in front of me was literally on the edge of the plank crying, like crying. Um, and I'm like, but of course, I'm behind her waiting my turn. I'm like, girl, come on here now. Come on. And but because in my mind, I'm thinking, you you don't have to do the thing, you know? And that is a, a logical response to fear that I think people forget is you don't have to do the thing that you fear. Okay, but the fact that she was standing there, the fact that she was crying uh, instead of just turning around and going back down the steps and the whole thing would be over, proved that this was something she wanted to do. Okay, and so I think that there are situations where, you know, and I always tell people this when it comes to fear. What is the cost of your fear? Like what, there's a quote, everything that you want is on the other side of your fear. And I firmly believe that. So I, I tell people, think about what is on the other side your fear. Think about what you lose when you let your fear win. Think about what you stand to gain if you can do this thing. Okay. And so for her, I would have said the same thing. What do you stand to gain by doing this? And what do you lose if you just turn around and go back down the stairs, you know, Uh, and the whole thing will be over. And this whole scenario that you're in crying can be over, you know, Um, (laughs) and then you're like, and I can have my turn. (laughs) (laughs) jumping off into nothing, you know? And so for a moment there, I'm like, oh, hell, you know? And so I'm in my moment, but I've already thought about what I stand to gain and what's on the other side of this. So I did it. And it doesn't mean that you don't feel fear. It doesn't mean that you don't have trepidation about it, but it means that what you stand to gain is bigger than that. It's true because I have done, I have done the sky, well, I've gone skydiving twice, but I remember like my very first dive And so, of course, I wanted, I wanted the, not as much risk with all of the rewards. So I did tandem. So when it was almost time to jump, I go and I sit with the guy who is actually going to pull the string (laughs) to open parachute so that Mm -hmm. I can get hooked onto him. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, because 
you know, the whole time I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. We're going up, up, up over the clouds because it was a, a rainy mm -hmm. day and it was cloudy. So we're hitting mm -hmm. over the clouds and stuff. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is good. It's going to be so great. And then I go and he's like, okay, it's time to strap on. I'm like, Whoop. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I strapped yes. on with him and I was like, okay, just keep breathing with him. So mm -hmm. I, I just made sure that I could sync my, my breathing with his breathing. And that calmed mm -hmm. me down right mm -hmm. up until we got up to walk and I'm standing at the edge of the door. <laughs> open plane door I'm standing at the edge <laughs> how are you doing <laughs> you know and it, it, all the questions right all the questions like all the questions you know yes. and I'm like I am so afraid I it's like why 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 are you doing this and then I thought about oh it and it's like because I am alive but I really want to mm -hmm. feel alive I want that yes. rush I want to know what it feels like to be floating through right. the sky and so right. and this is like split second and it's all showing up mm -hmm. and he's like are you ready to jump and then here's the other guy who's filming the whole thing and I saw my face and it's like clearly I'm not ready to jump and it's mm -hmm. like it's like all right let's go and then we fly out of the plane right and then you're doing the free mm -hmm. fall and yes. I'm screaming at the top of <laughs> but then all of a sudden everything changes Mm -hmm. And I'm no longer screaming, but I'm noticing this is freaking amazing. Yes, it is. This it is. is amazing. And then as he pulls the cord, because again, all the reward with minimal risk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I start <laughs> floating through. I'm floating through clouds. I was like, I just went through a cloud, <laughs> you know, and yes, I'm floating. Yes. And it's like, those are birds. <laughs> I'm playing with the birds. So, I mean, on the other side, like you're saying, on the other yeah. side of that fear Sorry. of actually taking that step and jumping out of the plane right. was all this wonder. And yes. like, then, then you're like, I am such a small part of this amazing world. Like, mm -hmm. you know, all, all of this I'm doing, this is a miracle here. And I'm just a small piece of that miracle. And it just makes you yes. remember that there is something greater than you out there, right? It's not. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. yeah, so that was like the most amazing, the best. a most amazing feeling ever. Like I'm talking about it and it's like- It's I, coming back to I, you, huh? Yeah, it's like that whole feeling. And the second jump was good, but mm -hmm. it wasn't, it's almost- well, you know, I were to liken it to drugs and I don't take drugs, people just by <laughs> But it's almost like people who are constantly chasing a high. So mm -hmm. you get, mm -hmm. they do it once the and they have that high and then they're constantly chasing that same high. So they get addicted to it. So I mm -hmm. totally understand the skydive um, mm -hmm. lifestyle because mm -hmm. it can be, I can see how it can be really addictive because it's like so fun. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's also the part about um, a lot of people think they're looking for the confidence before they do the thing. And I always say it doesn't happen that way. You get the, the confidence is the reward of doing the thing you fear. You get the confidence on the other side, you know. And so then there's that feeling, too. Right. You know, you have that feeling of amazement and wonder. But then there's that feeling of, hey, I did this. Yes. Like I'm a total badass. You know, I did yep. this. 
And so, um, so nobody, you come out of that with confidence and nobody can tell you anything, girl, because you have done this thing. And so I think that's part of it too, because I think confidence is like a muscle that you exercise. And the more you exercise it, the more you, yeah, you know, the more you go into things, it's like, I got this, I can do this, you know? Right. And uh, and that's why you have to exercise uh, that muscle and you have to recognize that that confidence is the reward. It's going to come on the other side. You're going to get the feeling of that as well. And you get several strings of that under your belt. Girl, they can't tell you anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> So now you said, okay, so here's the one thing I do want to bring out because when I said I was a little bit jealous. So you've traveled to all seven continents, which means you have been to Antarctica. Mm -hmm. What was mm -hmm. that yes. like? Because that that's that's the place. That is my that is my place. So y'all mm -hmm. have heard me and now it's, it's in the universe, it's been in the universe, <laughs> but I'm putting it back in the universe. That is my place. I want to be there. So tell me what it was like. Well, you know, of course, I didn't grow up from a family of travel. So it wasn't like this was a childhood dream that, oh, I'm going to hit all seven continents. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't even that I really started traveling until I was uh, in my young, my 20s, you know, as a young woman. And so so there wasn't anybody, there wasn't a role model. There wasn't anybody who paved the way and who did a ton of traveling. And I always say this to people as well, because sometimes there isn't a role model. Sometimes there isn't uh, a source of inspiration or whatever. Sometimes there's just you and there's just a dream that you have and there's nobody to tell you how to do it or how it's done or whatever. You figure it out along the way. You know, you, you fly and you grow your wings on the way down, so to speak. And so for me, travel was a lot like that. Um, you know, luckily, too, along the way, there were some groups, a lot of Facebook groups, social media groups were a lot of travelers. But in my family, my friendship circles, not not like me, not to the extent that I was doing it. And so um, so Antarctica. Um, Beautiful, pristine, you know, it's it's the last great no man's land, so to speak. Um, you know, I remember somebody was saying when I was getting ready to go, bring me back a a, a coffee cup from Starbucks because they collected coffee cups from Starbucks. I said, there are there is no Starbucks in Antarctica. There isn't a hotel that there aren't like, you know, it's not like that. You know. Um, so you so you realize there's a lot of people don't know about about Antarctica. Um, but you know, being able to go out in the zodiacs every day and see the whales and the seals and the penguins and and hear the glaciers calving and and all those sorts of things you know you literally are out in nature and um yeah it, it's just surreal it's surreal and the crazy thing is people sometimes think well yeah i'm not gonna go there it's so cold it's so cold or one of the people friends that i was traveling with was from minnesota and we laughed about the fact that every day we were in antarctica it was colder in the state of minnesota than it oh was in God. antarctica that's funny. Which I think is, it, it's always, it, it, it's something that's funny, but it's also something that, that disproves the stereotypes. It's a perfect example of disproving stereotypes and how if you continue to believe the things you heard, the things that quote unquote, they say when they have never even been and don't know for themselves, right. you will find yourself falling prey to things that aren't even true. So if you think, oh my God, Antarctica is so cold. I can't go there. And, and you live in the state of Alaska or the state of Minnesota or the state of so many other places that, that it gets cold. You're going to miss out on something beautiful when actually it was colder in Minnesota than it was in Antarctica. That is, that's just really amusing to me. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, and it goes back to what do you want to get out of it? What's your fear? Mm -hmm. what's on the other side of that fear because mm -hmm. for me it's just I don't like the cold but 
I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. care no, that yeah. it's cold there because the reward for me is being there. You know, yes. the reward the for me is the destination, the experience, the, experience yes. to, the memories, and to yes. be like in that part of nature, you know, because right. I've been to Alaska and, you know, you hear the whales, like they, mm -hmm. they would come up near the <clears> ship <throat> and you could hear them, couldn't see them, but you could hear them speaking. Mm -hmm. So then mm -hmm. I'm like, I wonder, you know, now in a Zodiac, like 10 times that, you know, the way I felt yes. then. 10 times yes. that because they're right there and it's yes, like they're talking yes. to me <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you know um and that's the beauty of it right i mean I, i'm not a cold weather person either at all i mean i grew up in the south born and raised uh, warm weather you know from louisiana so i am not even from a cold weather state but i recognized a long time ago that there were things i was going to have to brave in order to have certain experiences so for example i've been dog sledding well you got to have some snow in order, in order to go dog sledding yeah uh, you know i've been snowmobiling got to have a little bit of snow for Ooh, that i want to um, do that you know, <laughs> I've seen the northern lights. You, know, you kind of need to have a little bit of cold weather for that. Um, you know, not all the time, but but for the most part, I've, I've slept in an ice hotel. I've slept on on a bed of ice in a hotel made of ice. Um, you know, I, I've been to Antarctica. I've been to Alaska. I did a polar plunge in Antarctica. You know. I went kayaking in Antarctica. You know, there are just certain experiences that I have had that I would not have had if I wouldn't have been willing to brave the cold, willing to, again, get outside my comfort zone, willing to go beyond who I say I am to find out who I could be. You know, yes, yes. I can say, well, I'm not a cold weather person, but you know what? I'm willing to brave the cold to do X, to have Y experience, to, to do whatever. I'm willing to get outside my comfort zone for that. And that's the only place that you grow. Is when you make when you decide that you are willing to get outside right. your comfort zone and then you get outside of it. You know, because yes, I think yes. travel will definitely do that for you because what I have noticed on a lot of my travels, and I do a lot of solo traveling, but you know, I've done a few group things. And what I notice is when I run into and I've got to say it, a lot of Americans, because mm -hmm. I don't really see it a lot with Europeans and people from other countries, but a lot of people will travel and expect things to be exactly the same as they are mm -hmm. at home. Now, if yes. you want things to be exactly <clears throat> the same as they are at home, stay home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. you know? And if you want to travel, embrace what you're traveling to. Embrace right. the culture. Embrace the, I mean, just embrace it all, you know, because Things are going to happen, good things, not so good things. But if you can embrace it all mm -hmm. and move past that, then, you know, it'll mm -hmm. be amazing. Because some of the things I've heard people right. complain about, and it's like, dude, really? Or do that? Really? <laughs> you know, but just some of those <laughs> things. <laughs> it's like, leave that. Well, and I think that's the biggest the biggest stereotype. The biggest stereotype is that just because you travel, you automatically become this more tolerant, more diverse, more open-minded person. And I think that's one of the biggest stereotypes about travel. I don't think you automatically become that type of person. I think you have to be intentional still about those things if those are things and traits that you desire. Because I think people can travel and still be as closed-minded, as intolerant as, as if they had never traveled. So yeah. that's not even something that I take for granted. You know, it, it, it is not an automatic direct correlation at all.
that well that is true that is true but and i and i think it also goes back to why people travel right Mm -hmm. Mm because some people travel so that they can check it off a list oh i went there Mm -hmm. but okay you went there (laughs) did you experience Mm -hmm. there right right you know did Mm -hmm. you feel there did you learn Mm -hmm. anything about there (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's so true and when i travel and that's why i i can be more tolerant to things Mm -hmm. because i go for the experience i want to experience the culture and i want to learn something new and what i've noticed in all the different places that i've gone is that we're all more similar than we are different Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think people spend so much time <clears throat> on the differences that they miss a lot of the similarities. Now, I'm not saying don't celebrate the differences because they exist, right? Mm-hmm. But we are all so the same, you know, at the root. We are all yes. so the same. And Absolutely. I think yeah. when you're traveling, if you take the time to notice that, then it just makes everything better. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it helps you to tolerate more. Yes, yes. And then also learning yes. about a culture. It doesn't hurt to learn a little something before you go so that mm-hmm. you're not completely shocked. You know, yeah. so do a little research. Exactly. Or hire a little research. <laughs> do your homework. Pick up a book. Learn a few phrases or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, what are the local foods? Participate in it. See what's going on. Yeah. Ask the locals, you know. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I always like to learn well i mean the basics please and thank you at least <laughs> you know hello at least goodbye. hello yes <laughs> <laughs> you know at least learn those and mm-hmm. of course where's the bathroom <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yes you yes. know but i if you try and most people most people appreciate most the people effort. appreciate the effort even if you get it wrong even if you get it wrong they appreciate the effort right i yeah. agree and then mm-hmm. Or one of my favorites, well, and it's not a good thing, but when I see it happening, because I see it happening here in the States too, right? But just be, if somebody doesn't understand you, mm-hmm. saying it louder, <laughs> it's not going to help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why people do that. <laughs> Say it it louder and slower, and then that's really gonna, it's not gonna make a difference yet. (laughs) Yeah, there's some weird things people do that don't make sense. For example, when when you're driving in the car and you have to concentrate on where you're going, you're like, let me, let me turn the radio down. I can't see where I'm, I can't figure it out, you know? So then you turn the radio down or something, but you know, there are just certain things connected, I guess, in, in terms of our mind that are like really crazy that make people do things like that. But yeah, that's not going to help people understand you. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) So because you have done corporate, you've left corporate Mm -hmm. and now Mm -hmm. you're just living, basically you're living your best life. Can you tell us like what, how do you define success, happiness, and fulfillment? For me, and it's one of the reasons, of course, that I I do the work that I do, especially with single child-free women, is because I think a lot of times society has, has 
has told us what success looks like, which is, mm -hmm. of course, marriage and children. And uh, I want us to be able to break away from that societal script and to be able to rewrite our own script. Um, what? How do we define success? How do we define happiness and fulfillment? And so, uh, you know, I want those women, single childhood women, to, to start really thinking about that for themselves and for their own lives and defining what that looks like for them. And so I will say for me, uh, it's freedom in every sense of the word. And a lot of times people will, will talk about financial freedom. Uh, you know, we're all familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, I think over the past several years, a lot more people have become cognizant of time freedom and location freedom, which, of course, as a digital nomad, I'm very, um, you know, keen on, you know, I like to have my time be my own. It's one of the reasons why I started the business and, and left corporate. But also, I'm a digital nomad. I love to travel. So that's one of the reasons that I love location freedom, because I can grab my laptop and phone and work, work from anywhere. But I'm also hugely big on uh, what I call me freedom, which is just the freedom to be me. And so that was definitely something that... Um, you know, was nipped in the bud when I was working in corporate, uh, you know, and I was just talking to somebody about this just yesterday. And we were talking about the messaging uh, of, of, in my business and, and some of the stories that I have to share. And the performance review, every performance review that I had, I was always told that I was too direct and I was too assertive and that I needed to kind of dial it down. I need basically I needed, to, I needed to tone it down. And I never really understood what that meant because, well, this is who I am. Do you tone me down? Like, how do you even do that? How do I tone myself down? You know, and so I never really knew. They never really gave me concrete, I guess, directions or advice on how to, to resolve it. Um, and I never really understood. Well, what are you asking here? You know, do you want me to just sit in the back of the room and shut up, not say anything? What does this mean exactly? You know, and so I never really did anything about it. So I got it every review of every year. <laughs> um, you know, you're too direct, you're too assertive, you're, you're too this, you're too that, um, you know, dial it down, tone it down, dial it back, you know, which was, was all I got. And so for me, a huge part of also leaving corporate was so I could be free to be me. So I wouldn't have to hear that all the time about I was too this and I was too that, and I could just be free to be me. And so that was another huge part of why, um, why why I do the work that I do with the women that I do that with, because I think many times, especially as women, especially as black women, uh, certainly in a corporate environment, you're, 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 we're told you're, you're too this, you're too that, you're too assertive. I was even told that I was too tall <laughs> and it was too intimidating. No. And in one performance review, because I am a tall woman, I'm 6'2", and in one performance review, my, my indirect line manager told me that in my interactions with the plant manager, who was much shorter than me, that I needed to sit down because my personality combined with my stature was too intimidating. But that sounded and like I a was problem. literally, I was literally floored because I'm like, are you really saying that this is impacting my performance? Wow. Is, is that why you're telling me this in a performance review? Like, is this formal feedback that if I sit down to make this man feel more comfortable, it's going to positively affect my performance or at least the, the rating of my performance. I can't yeah. believe we're having this conversation, but, that but that's just, a, that's just one example of many where again, ask to be less of who you are, ask to minimize yourself, um, be smaller, be quieter, be, be less visible, be less seen. You know, there was even the time that I was told um, I needed to master the art of being soft with being assertive. That's what I was told in a performance review. And it really ticked me off because I said to myself, I didn't say it to them, but in retrospect, I should have said it to them. 
Are you telling men this in performance reviews? Are you telling men to master the art of being soft with the art of being assertive? Or am I just getting this because I'm a woman? Like literally. So, so these, these stories are part of my corporate history right. and are, are certainly a source, uh, you know, the driving source of, of my decision, not the only source, but certainly a key part of my uh, quest to leave corporate and to start my own business and to help women find their authentic voices and to step into their own purpose and to be who they are called to be. What are your gifts and talents? And, you know, it's funny because as a coach, as I'm a life coach, I'm a divine purpose coach, as a coach, I'm very much, uh, I always say I'm more Dr. Field than I am Oprah. But my clients love that about me. They love that about me. In other words, they love the assertiveness. They love the directness. The very thing that I was dinged for in corporate is the thing that my clients love about me in my purpose-driven business and my divine God-assigned work. That's no coincidence. No, that is no coincidence. And so my aim with the work that I do is to help these women no coincidence is to help these women find their own authentic voice and their own purpose and their own gifts and talents. And it may be in direct conflict with what you've been told in the past. You may now find that it didn't work in corporate, but it works in every sense of the word now in your divine God assigned work. Right. And the thing is, there is enough. It, it kind of also goes to abundance, right? Because there is enough for everybody because the way you say things Mm -hmm. may not be the same way I Mm -hmm. say things may not be the same way somebody else says something but we're all saying the same thing but our tribe is going to hear what we say the way we say exactly because yeah I have a tendency to be direct especially when I need to get stuff done you know but Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it's it's again part of who I am do I want to change that? Yeah. No, because with no. some of my clients, especially um, when I was doing therapy, I had clients who they they would dig the direct, and then there were other clients mm-hmm. who couldn't really handle that well, and they needed somebody who was going to be more nurturing all the time, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I can be direct, I can be nurturing and I look at the situation, the person, whatever, right? But some Mm -hmm. people just need somebody else who can hold Mm -hmm. them in that nurturing mode constantly. And that wasn't me. So sometimes we had to, you know, it's like, I love you, you love me, but maybe we're not a good fit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's find Mm -hmm. somebody who's a better fit for you. That's very true, you know, and and so uh, you're so right, especially as coaches, because I know that, you know, you're in that space, I'm in that space, um, and you're right, people could be saying the same things, but it will resonate with the people it's supposed to resonate with in the right manner, because they are your tribe, and they connect with what you say, and how you're saying it, like they get you, and that's the whole thing about it. You know, I try to the people that I work with, the women that I work with, you know, I don't just help them find their God assigned mission in life. I, ho- I also help them to find, well, who are my people? Who are the people that God has assigned to me to serve? The people who are going to get me, the right. people who are going to understand and vibe and connect with me because they were assigned to me. 
you know? So I think that's important as well when you're doing that type of work to find your tribe, but you can only find your tribe when you're standing up and being your most authentic self. They cannot find you if you are hiding, if you are being less than who you are, if you are not standing up in in your authenticity, they're not going to be able to find you. You know, and so that's another thing that, you know, from the standpoint of when you think about, again, say fear, say like the fear of maybe showing up and doing a live video. Well, if I don't do this, my people may not find me. So what's on the other side of that fear is, is the, is that my tribe, the people I'm assigned to help and serve are going to be able to find me, you know? And if, and if it's all about doing purpose-driven work, which is what I'm all about, then I've got to take self out of the equation. And I've got to remember it's about the people that I've been assigned to serve. Not about me. And you can always tell when you're operating in the space of me because you think things like, well, what if they don't like me? What if they don't like what I have to say? What, what if, what if, you know, what if I make a mistake? What if I fail? You know, it, it's all these I statements and all these, these judgments, these, these comments about self judgment. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? What if I make a mistake? What if I fail? And you can always tell, you know, but when you take the focus off of yourself and put it where it's supposed to be, which is on your people. That's part of the catalyst for getting out of that fear. I don't have time for fear if I'm focused on helping my people. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And I, and I love that. Um, you're like, my people. And, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I use the same phrase a lot, too. It's like, I'm looking for my people. Or you're not my people. <laughs> so, so to hear somebody else say it, it's funny. But I love it. It's like, my people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and you do feel that connection with them because you know that that they have because this is how it works with purpose. Like they have an issue or a problem or a concern that you are uniquely qualified to help them with, you know. And yes. so, and, and and what's what's even more critical and significant to recognize is that God is entrusting them in your care. He's saying, "I've given you what you need in order to help these people." in order to change their life, in order to help transform them and make a difference and an impact in their life. That is huge. And to me, that is very important. So when you remember that, it's like, oh, I don't have time to sit in fear. I, I can't sit here and be stuck and stagnant. Now I've got to, I've got to overcome this because my people need me. You know, people are out there hurting. And when you think about that, it's selfish to sit in fear and to let mm-hmm. that rob the people that you're assigned to help of that impact that you could be giving them. But it's also like it robs you of, of the sense of accomplishment and fulfillment and joy that you could gain by stepping in and doing that work. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's great to hear it again, right? Because sometimes we do get so caught up in our own crap, in our own heads, worried about everything, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. with social media, you know, what if I get out there and I say this and this and this and this and nobody watches it? Well, so what? You know, maybe one person does watch it and that's the person who needed to see it. Or, mm-hmm. but then again, sometimes you do have to curb your enthusiasm on social media because they will cut you down in a minute. Um, not not the people, <laughs> but the platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And sometimes the people. <laughs> and, yeah, a lot of times the people because I, I, so many people I think who are hurting feel okay to hurt others through the mm-hmm. anonymity of other people. Yeah, yeah. Through the anonymity yes. of social media. And, so you get online. all these yes. trolls who say like mean stuff to people. And it's like, is that just really, a, that's just really a reflection of who you are. 
has nothing to do with the person you're commenting on, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's that to contend with. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Now I just have to ask before we go, what are your views on dating and relationship? And how would you, what would you tell a woman who is unhappily single? Because, you know, we're we're working with single, child-free women, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's dating, there are relationships, and some people are single by not choice, but circumstance. Yeah, well, I I think most single women are probably single, not by choice. I think most people would, would, at least most of the women that I know, would like to be in a partnership, if not a marriage. You know, they are open to that. It's not that they're not, they're closed off to that or anything like that. And in fact, I just shared a post about this on my Facebook profile yesterday, and I am talking about it in my podcast that I'm going to record later today, um, because I think people get it, they get it twisted in a bit. And they think that just because you are choosing to thrive in your state of singlehood, that it must mean you don't like men, you don't like relationships, you don't like marriage, you don't want to be married, you're against the whole institution of marriage and family. And I I was saying that nothing can be further from the truth. Most of the women that I know are open to relationships and open to marriage. However, that doesn't mean that they can't bloom where they're planted. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy our current life and our current state. Because as I tell women, I say, here's the deal. You're not married. You may want to be, but you're not there yet. So it may be a week from now. It may be a month from now. It may be 10 years from now. You don't know when it is that you will get married, if you will get married. But here's the deal. Are you going to spend your life in a waiting mode, if you will, waiting for that to happen are you going to focus on living your best life right here, right now as a single woman? Because that's where you are and that's what you have, you know? And so it's like one of the podcast episodes I did a couple of weeks ago where I said, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. You know, yeah. there are many single people who want to be married, but likewise, I can tell you, I would bet money there are many married people who would like to be single, you know? Oh, and so that sure. means- <laughs> Look at the divorce the grass, Exactly. The grass always looks greener on the other side. But here's the deal. You're not on the other side. You're on this side. So will you choose to bloom where you are planted or will you forego your blooming? Will you forego living your best life? Will you put yourself on hold, put your life on ice, pending some potential relationship or partner or marriage someday when nobody even knows when that is? What will you choose to do? And I can tell you that I, myself, I choose to thrive in my current state. I choose to make the best of where I am right now. And so, and I was saying this at the post that I made just yesterday. If you see me blowing my single life horn, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not still hopefully expectant about getting married someday, but it means that I choose to thrive where I am, that I choose to bloom where I am currently planted. And and I tell you what, if I was a man, I would find that kind of attitude sexy as hell in a woman. I would find that attractive as hell to see a woman out there living her best life, even as a single woman, but still open to a potential marriage or partnership. Yeah. I think you the two things can be true at the same time. Yeah, You can thrive in your single life and still be open to a partner in your future. And I think sometimes women forget that. 
So if there's somebody who is unhappily single, I would say, you know what? Put the whole relationship marriage thing on ice. Put it on the back burner for now and focus on you creating and living your own best life. Like get in touch with yourself. Find out who you are. Find out what makes you happy. Start giving it to yourself. You know, I was, even a man said this on, on the social media app threads the other day. He said, he was saying, be comfortable with being alone. And this was a guy who was in a relationship with a woman. And he was saying, women should take the time to be single and to be alone. And he said, the more you, you do something, you read, take yourself wherever you want to go, you travel, you, you just embrace the single happy life, the less likely you're going to be to put up with some man's BS in a relationship down the road because you know who you are. You know how to roll, what makes you happy, what your life needs to consist of, what your standards are. You know yourself and you're going to be a lot less likely to put up with some things that you are not deserving of later on down the road when you actually get into a relationship. So he was saying, spend that time alone. Get to know yourself. Who are you? Create your own best life. Give it to yourself instead of waiting for somebody else to give it to you. And I'm just a firm believer in that. So that is my philosophy, um, you know, on the whole thing. I would tell any unhappily single woman, get happy being single. Right. Like, be happy in yourself first. Because no no man wants to meet a woman who is so desperately unhappy single that she's going to latch up. Like, they would, they're going to go running for the hills. And I would, too, if I was a man. I would go running for the hills. I would run from that. You want a woman who comes to the table who is secure and content in who she is in her single state. And she comes to this as, as not like, I need this relationship to work. No, she comes to it from a very solid space. Like, I want this relationship to work. But if it doesn't, I'm still going to survive. I'm still going to thrive. I'm still going to live my best life. And I think that's where a lot of women, need, a lot of single women need to try to get to that type of mental space. Yes, I agree. And so you have mentioned that you have a podcast several times. So tell us the name of the podcast and then where people can find you on the different yeah. platforms. Yeah. So my podcast is for single child-free women, as I've mentioned here today. Um, you know, the tagline is no husband, no children, still worthy. You know, and it came to me one day just kind of like this divine inspiration, because I think so many times society, the patriarchy, even the church will try to define a woman's uh, you know, her sense of success, her sense of fulfillment in life based on being married and, and having children, even her sense of self-esteem and self-worth. Some women may feel, you know, suffer from lower self-esteem and lower self-worth because they're not married and don't have children. So I want them to know, girl, you are worthy as hell, you know? And, uh, and so all of my episodes and the things that I talk about are geared towards helping her, this woman to understand that. And um, I'm on all the major platforms, Amazon, Spotify, uh, Apple. Um, but again, the, the name is still worthy. And so uh, I actually am going to be recording my 10th episode today. So I'm still new to the whole podcasting realm, but I am enjoying the, the, um, the journey. And it is my chance to talk to my people, you know, <laughs> and just let them know, um, you know, we are all we are here to take up all the space. We are here to take up all the room, uh, you know, to live our best life. And we're not going anywhere. We're not we're not going 
behind the curtain. We're not crawling under some rock. We are here and we are here to stay. We are a growing population and it's time for us to be seen, to be visible, to be heard and for people to really start understanding what our lifestyle is like, you know, because again, as you said, as you have already, um, you know, insinuated that there are some women who are, are maybe not choosing singlehood. There are certainly some women who have not cho chosen to not have children, which is actually something I'm going to be talking about today because I always envisioned that I would have children. But there are certain circumstances that prevented that from happening, you know. And so now I have the choice to either choose to let that define my whole life, you know, that, oh, I didn't get to have the children that I wanted to have, you know, or I can choose a different life. You know, I can find joy in a different way. I can choose to find fulfillment in a different way. And that is why I like the word child free versus childless. I'm never going to choose to to wear a word that says less in it. That's just not me. I'm not going to choose that word. Right. So, I, but I but I am free to choose the word I will use, and I am free to choose uh, to create a new life, a life where I can find happiness and joy and fulfillment and contentment in a different way, even if it's not the way that I originally envisioned. Okay, so thank you so much. I've enjoyed having you on. It's been a pleasure and. I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. Yes. Thank you so much for having me today. You're so welcome.